Thanks for tuning in to the SMC Podcast. I'm Jamin, uh, pastor in Urban Church here in the Southern Michigan Conference of the Free Methodist Church. And for our very first podcast, we have flown in Annie from so far away. Yeah. And she is not even awake right now. Basically a zombie. <laughs> what time is it in Seattle? Uh, prob- well, now. Right now in Michigan, it it's now? 2 o'clock. So it's 11 a.m., which oh. means I woke up. At 5-ish a.m. Eastern time. So I was up at like 2 a.m. Pacific time. So, yeah, I should be asleep soon. You have a daughter, mm-hmm. though, so that's... I do. Uh, so I'm kind of, yeah, I've been conditioned. Used to that, yeah. yeah. Uh, Annie, why don't you tell us a little bit about what your job is and uh, your position and all that so that we have some background <clears throat> as to what we're about to jump into here. Yeah, so I am the Executive Director of Gravitational Leadership, So I oversee our operations and um, some of our strategy development of our company. Um, So we've been around for a a couple years now and just really excited about what God's doing. And we partner with local churches and local pastors and denominations in in developing pastors and understanding that it's a rough, it's a satisfying and deeply meaningful thing for pastors, but it can also be a rough gig. So we help train and equip and empower and encourage pastors. Um, I also am the group's pastor at our church at New Hope Church in Puyallup, Washington. And What was that called? Puyallup. Puyallup. Yeah. How is that spelled? P-U-Y-A-L-L-U-P. So That's not a word. Yeah. There's lots of Native American uh, cities up in Washington State. Uh, okay, so now yeah, I can hear it. <laughs> a little context. Yeah, so yeah, so we're uh, at, that church started out about four, a little over four years as a church plant, and now has five different campuses. So it's been growing and um, just an awesome, exciting thing to be a part of. And yeah, so that's a little bit about me. Awesome. Now, a bunch of you have actually already heard from Annie. She's uh, come to our conference before. Yeah. If you're in the Southern Michigan Conference to speak to us. In fact, the first time I heard her speak, it was to learn about myself, for I am a millennial. Oh, yeah. And she was here to tell me all about millennials. So I was curious as to see, yeah. to find myself and figure <laughs> did you, out who Did I you was. find yourself, Jamin? I found myself. Was I pretty close? Yes. Okay. You're at least very close about all the millennials I know. Yeah. I've there, are, often, there are variations. Yeah. yeah. I found myself to be a bit of a weird millennial because, mm-hmm. like, a lot of millennials today kind of fall out of church or don't seem to yeah. care about going. Yeah. Whereas, like, I've been to church. I've hardly missed, like, five days in my whole life, you sure. know. And never yeah. stopped. So yeah. so uh, even for me, it was, like, kind of learning, like, what's happened to all my friends? Right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> what's going on? And that's kind of some of what we'll be talking about today. Um, curious to kind of get your input. You know, a lot of our churches, we've talked in the past in the conference about, like, we need to grow younger uh, not that there's anything wrong with being older. No. I'm just like, you know, uh, I'm trying to remember. There was a group of Christians who they were against uh, procreation, and that group of Christians oh. doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> right, yes. Because they all died. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the yeah. same way, the church, uh, if we uh, if we don't grow younger, we all die too. So yeah. 
yeah. uh, what give us uh solve our world issues here yeah. in, in one <laughs> one swing Ooh, one no sentence pressure, fix no it pressure. all right now. yeah well a little bit um to back up a little bit with that idea um you know, I'm like right on that line between being a Gen Xer and a millennial. And um, I, I know a lot of people who are boomer leaders, pastors, you know, family even. And so I can understand and empathize with the idea of as you're growing older, and I think there's this, regardless of your age, we all want to know where we fit. We all want to have a place. We want to have people, community, you know, that's how we're wired. And so the idea that we've always had a place and now as we find ourselves getting older, people, maybe we might perceive that younger people are telling us that our place is changing. That can feel threatening and disorienting and um and kind of feeling, yeah, feel you would feel unsettled as to, well, then what, where do I fit? You know, where do I fit in the body of Christ? And so when we talk about churches and growing younger, it's a, we really do need to grow younger. Um, and there's a lot of, it's a, it can be complicated, um, but we really need multi-generational churches. So we don't just need a church of 30-somethings. You know, we are, um, as younger people, you can probably speak to this too, like we lose something significant if we don't have older people with wisdom, life experience, perspective, speaking into our lives, leading, you know. So we really need the full mix of generations, but we want to grow younger and lean into the wisdom and voice of the of the older. So, mm-hmm. yeah. That is actually some of the irony uh, at my own church, because around the time we were trying to grow younger, like, we were having the exact opposite problem. When our church started, it was like all college students and, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. young families and even well now now we've grown a bit older now that we've finally really gotten into reaching our community yeah. directly around us uh but for a long time it's like there was no one from an older generation to teach us or to learn from or to right. to yeah. like call out mistakes that we were yeah. bound to make uh because they had more experience than us and yeah I've seen that opposite side. So, yeah. yeah, and we and we need that. And I think there's this there's a perception by older people that oh, young people they don't want us or we don't have anything to say or to offer them. And really, younger people are craving that influence and that voice in their life of someone who's older, further down the road, who likes messing up their life. <laughs> you know, a lot of it's kind of a, a generational characteristic for millennials. They want to get things right. They want to do things really well. And, you know, our first time around parenting, you know, the, with the first kid, it's just a big experiment, right? Mm-hmm. And that's a lot of life when we go through seasons and we're just trying to figure it out. So it's so valuable when we, we can walk with older people and have, you know, their voice and perspective along the way. Yeah. Uh, do you think that disconnect between generations has always been there or is that newer? And if it's newer when do you think that kicked in? Like I can think of when I started seeing it kind of happen around the time hymns were being kind of just tossed out easily. Technology was being integrated at a upbeat speed, you know, and it's just like, it was as though like anything that happened before, we don't really care anymore. And that's where I started to see it. 
Do you think that's the root, or is there has it always been there? Is it newer? Is it something else? I think it's probably there are layers to it. it there, it's a dynamic issue. I'm sure technology has something to do with it um, because that that really widened the gap um, that affected communication on a number of levels. It um, affected information, you know, the, the rate of information people were getting and who was getting it, you know. So if you're older and not tech savvy, you're not actually having the same access to information that younger people are. And so you're working with different information. Um, I also think some of it's always been there. There's always been generational gaps. So that I think that's always been there. Also, I think as um, people have become more transient, you know, before people like hundred years ago, even families lived together in the same community and rarely did they split up. So you kind of had those built-in networks of generations. And now um, it's not uncommon for people to live across the country from their family members. And so if you don't have that natural family, the generations built in, even in your church, um, the the natural relational um, give and take and influence um it doesn't come quite as easily, I think, so. Yeah. Okay, so uh, we've learned a little bit about the gap there, some things that we need to maybe pay attention to to try to restore that. Uh, but as far as churches go, by and large, it does seem like younger people have been less interested or just harder to reach or yeah. require new tactics. So what do we do to start reaching people in that level, especially yeah. since this is one of your expertises um yeah i'm just trying to think where do i start with that one because that one is um there's a lot to that one so i think with as we're talking about engaging younger people for sure um i think you kind of one place to start is really understanding that worldviews have changed you know um so there are you can as a younger person, you can be a Christ follower or um, say you're a Christian and go to church once a month or um, or sometimes not go to church at all. And that doesn't actually mean that um, that's a good thing for you. It just means that that seems to be an acceptable amount of commitment or um, just generally people... <laughs> I'm just trying to think. Honestly, this is such a broad, um, a broad topic. Um, well, we can even back up to yeah. that really quick because you were even saying in the back before we started this, like uh, commitment level for a younger person. Yeah. It's not going to church every week. It's yeah. something else. And like I've seen that. Someone just shared one of our upcoming events on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Uh, she said, "Come and come, come check out my church's event." <laughs> She's been to our church about seven times over yeah. the last five years. Wow! Yeah, <laughs> you know, that and she called it her church. Picture yeah, so. of what we're talking about with commitment and identification um, with um, churches and communities, and and 
And I think that is, it seems so funny for people like you who have missed five days in your whole life. Yeah. And for older people where commitment meant you're going to church every Sunday, you're going to church on Wednesday nights, you're involved, um, where now people have so much going on. And so it seems reasonable that if they go twice a month to church, that's a high level of commitment. Um and so that's just a huge shift for, I think, pastors and leaders in the church to make. Um, also, going back to your original question, I think that communication is um, just why people aren't, like, how do we reach people? I think you have to um, really communicate with people where they're at. So I think we as Christians, we do a good job traditionally of we talk in our language and scriptures and here's the linear pathway to Christ. Um, But understanding that a lot of younger people don't see faith as a you're just getting from point A to point B, and here's the Romans road, the four-step process, check it off, and now I'm a Christian, and here's the rest of my life. But really, they they look at their spiritual journey. This started from the beginning, and they're always going to be on it. Mm-hmm. And so um, approaching... Um, approaching how we talk to people about faith, approaching how we talk to people about Jesus. Most people we're finding who are younger are very interested and willing to talk about Jesus. Um, They're curious. They have opinions about it. They want to engage. But they're less interested in talking about church or religion. And as we know, um, there's a lot of baggage. There's a lot of burnt bridges a lot of negative associations, unfortunately, for something that was really intended to be a beautiful community that was supposed to impact and change and heal our world. So I think that's what we're working with now is when we, if we want to engage younger people, we really have to change how we're talking about it and um, coming at it more as, as a conversation and showing genuine interest to in people and their lives rather than, hey, I'm right, you're wrong, or hey, believe in Jesus, that's my agenda with you, and I'm checking you off. Once you put your faith in Jesus, (laughs) now I've checked you off the list, and I can go on to my next accomplishment or whatever, you know? Does that make sense? So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, So, yeah, they're looking for kind of something different, or at least the things that belong in church but maybe in a different capacity. Yeah, and sort. I think they want to they want to wrestle with hard questions. Mm. And um a lot of young people I talk to, their hesitancy with church is usually I don't feel like I can be real there. That's their language. I don't feel like I can be authentic, can be real. I don't feel like I can be honest about my doubts and ask questions. Um there's this perception that if we are going to go to church and put our faith in Jesus, we have to have all of our questions answered. And the reality is none of us have all of the answers. We Some pretend like we do, but really we're, we're all on this journey of trying to know God and understand, you know, who he's revealed himself to be and um, live out our faith in Jesus, right? So... Those are a few things that I think as we're talking to people, we can do a better job as a church of, as we're building relationships outside of the, our, the church walls, 
um, building those relationships, really caring for people, showing love, genuine, authentic love to them. And then as if we're inviting them to church, really helping them to see and creating places and cultures in our church that are filled with grace, with love of come as you are. You know, here's Jesus. He does the work of convicting and healing and restoring, and we're going to walk with you and love you along the way. That's great. Um, you mentioned a little bit about, you know, they want that raw honesty. And yeah. I think that's especially become clear when you look at some of the speakers who are really taking off today at, like, Christian events and things like that. It's people who are really just telling their story more than they're, like, adamantly preaching the yeah. Bible, I've found. Yeah. Uh, they're saying the things and asking the questions that people haven't asked for a long time. Uh, for so long, I think younger Christians have just felt like, you know, they've they've gone to school with a different generation. They hear all mm-hmm. these questions that they don't know how to deal with compared to what they're hearing in church. And, um they're just told from maybe a church end to just be quiet and have yeah. faith in God and yeah. what the Bible yeah. says. And so they go back and they don't know how to work those things out. I've seen that play out to some extent. Well, and, and two, even if no one's actually saying be quiet or don't ask questions, unless they see people uh, leading and modeling asking questions and being vulnerable and wrestling with doubt, their perception is always going to be if no one's doing that, then we shouldn't do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, great book I'm reading right now by Pete Enns, uh, Peter Enns, uh, The Sin of Certainty. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he talks a lot in there about wrestling with his Bible and having to always kind of come back to faith, uh, even when he's struggling through what he's looking through. Mm-hmm. And really asking the questions even when they're controversial and, and kind of taking that on. So that's a... I'll have to check that book out. I think yeah. I've, I've heard of that, but I haven't read it. Yeah, he's a yeah. good theologian, but he also writes for just kind of mm-hmm. everybody to understand. So that's a good book on that. Yeah. Uh, have you seen – okay, so our, our conference right now is in overload mode as far as okay. like trying to find unique and fresh expressions, if you sure. will. Uh, there's a group called Fresh Expressions, for those of you listening who don't know, who try to find different ways to kind of do church to reach people who would never walk into a church. Uh, we met with uh, some of the leaders of Fresh Expressions recently. They gave us examples like um, uh, burritos and Bibles, where they meet in Moe's every sure. week, and they all get a burrito, and they talk about the Bible, and that rather than be qualified in the past like it would have as like a small group yeah. or an event— they would call that a church on its own right. Okay. They got tattoo church, so you apparently they go and get tattoos yeah, okay. every week. <laughs> every you only, week, you only have so much skin. I don't yeah. know how is this works. Is it like one out. per one or two people, and they all like cheer them on, or I everyone's getting? I have no getting... idea. I wow. don't know, but they. That sounds like a lot of pressure too. To that's a painful come church. Up with... <laughs> 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 right. Why are you so that's sore? Oh, I went to church this week. Yeah. Um, another bandage yeah seriously uh, so we've we've tried a bunch of these I think we have we've got several maybe eight if not more dinner churches right yeah. now yeah. Uh, ours is one of it where you just try to have dinner like Jesus did and bring people in a church that way uh, what have you been what's been what good has been happening there what's been exciting for you um, well last quarter's average uh, and this was, you know, like getting into the summer, so it's always yeah, going to be lower. Yeah. But it was like 50 people 
for the average. Okay. Once we launched Dinner Church, we got at the peak, I think like the third week, 108. Wow. And that was a lot of new impoverished people coming yeah. through the doors who really needed food and were willing to stick around the whole time, even though we tell them to come and go as they please. Yeah. So like we found kind of an in, uh, I wouldn't say it's necessarily, it's kind of brought in people across the age gaps. Okay. Uh, um, but uh, as far as like, has it specifically targeted young people? Not necessarily. Um, part of the reason I, I bring all these fresh expressions up, yeah. if you will, yeah. is do you know, uh, the church seems to be recognizing to some extent as we are currently trying to do things doesn't always seem to work. And sometimes it does. Yeah. You see some mega yeah. churches that are like, it's always a bunch of really young, attractive hipsters, you know? Sure. Well, <laughs> maybe we should say that's who they're photographing. Yeah, you yeah. Know? Okay, so there you go. <laughs> um, but, you know, you, you see some of these churches that appear at least very, very young yeah. and and uh, large on that scale. Um but by and large, it seems like there's a lot of people I know who don't go to church or they consider church to be some other kind of avenue. Do you see some kind of gravitation towards any different kind of model of church or expression of it? Or mm. do you think as we're currently or have always done it, we'll have a comeback or that we need to adapt in some way? Uh, just so many yeah, questions. And I know it's it's and unique across the board. Yeah, I get that. I, think I just. It is. Uh, I do think it's unique and sometimes geographical. Mm -hmm. You know, I think what might work in the south, the, the deep south even, might not work in parts of the Midwest or the Northwest or, you know. Um, I would say even just being from the West Coast, um, there are in there's an incredible range of diversity, even from Washington down to California. Even if you just look at California, parts are very um, younger, modern, a little more liberal, not in the political sense, but um, in maybe not quite as traditional. And then you have parts of California that are very traditional, you know? So I think it is more nuanced. Um, and I am probably admittedly, n I'm not like the church model expert. Based on what I have seen, though, I think it is going to be, I think it's going to be a both and. I think there are traditional, you know, Sunday morning or Saturday night um, big church models. I think they're always going to be around. I do. Um, I do think the expectations for, for those are are changing and the ones we're seeing succeed usually have like really good solid preaching um, they have good systems and good opportunities for community they're doing things really well so they're doing things with excellence um, and I think more and more people are going to just need places to go where they can be themselves. Well, I am excited that people are experimenting because um, I think that big church model, uh, that attractional model is not for everyone. Like I know a bunch of introvert friends who wouldn't, 
I, they go reluctantly because some t- some of those churches are really made. Um, those environments are created, I think, by extroverts for extroverts. And so introverts are, they're sensory overloaded. The idea of being around a bunch of people is overwhelming and do- actually doesn't add value to, uh, to their lives, but they go. Um, but I think with some different expressions of that include smaller groups, quieter settings, deeper... Um, introspection and study, those really appeal to a broader range of people and offer opportunity for community and spiritual growth and and, and service uh, to our communities, which is really just the essence of what being the church is about. So, yeah. yeah. That's all good. Uh, that's the same. I think that makes sense of what I've learned over the years, yeah. too, just when we first started, we tried to adapt a model that was taken off in Texas really well, oh, yeah. where it was very much focused on missional, being missional, which every church should do. Yeah. However, yeah. we did not take into account that Austin, Texas is like the nonprofit capital of the right. world. Yes. That even if you live there, you're probably under the mindset of missionality. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Whereas in Jackson, Michigan, <laughs> not. a lot of people need the missionality right. to them, but aren't maybe quite as interested in yeah. being missional. Yeah. Um, so while that obviously is a core focus of the church and you got to figure out how mm-hmm. to do that, um, it seemed like building our church on a principle that was a lot of a stretch for some people sure, yeah. would make it harder. So even when we adapted to dinner church, which really comes out of where you're at, out yeah, in Seattle, in Seattle yeah. uh, Verlin Fosner. Yeah, Verlin, yep. You know him, right? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. <laughs> Name I more know of him, and he. <laughs> I know people who know him, so I don't know him personally. But, yeah, I know I'm yeah. pretty familiar with the work he's doing up there. So Okay, so he helped put that together. I read his book, and I was like, this yeah. is great. Uh, we need to adapt it in such a way that it still represents us yeah. and the audience we're serving. Uh, and that's what I found with a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. So in the same way, you're talking about, you know, like this kind of mega churchy, extroverted style doesn't work for everybody. Yeah. I can hear that because I'm one of the ones I'm like, I don't know how comfortable I would be in that. Uh, but recognizing that for some, it will be. So yeah. uh, what you are saying, I think, is the answer is not to just ditch everything and go with one particular yeah, yeah, route. Yeah. Uh, yeah. While at the same time recognizing there are differences between our generations, yeah, and to reach them, we've got to adapt in some ways. We do, and and just I I won't add anything after this, but um, I think regardless of the model, as we're talking about different generations, I think we really um, we will win with varying generations when we start looking at. How are we creating places for different types of people? You know, thinking about introversion, extroversion. Um, when we're talking about expectations for involvement, we're talking about leadership development. We're talking about a lot of different things. Um, when we create opportunities for a lot of different people to get involved, and we and we do that open handedly. So either it's not a come on our terms or don't come at all, but it's a come as you are. We we love you. We want to invest in you mindset. And there's a place for you here in our community. And we're going to be on mission together. I think that's a really um, attractive thing to a lot of generations. And I think we see really positive results when we do that. Awesome. Yeah. Well, Annie, I want to thank you for flying in all the way oh, for yeah. this podcast. <laughs> Uh, 
Annie's actually in town uh, to yeah. get some other things done, yeah. so we were happy that we could snag yeah, it for this. Fun. Uh, next time we'll call you on the phone to yeah, make you yeah. have it a little easier not fly. <laughs> and it could be on your time frame. Right. Um, but thanks for coming in and talking yeah. with us. And uh, just a reminder to you all, you know, hope this helps you be able to reach a younger generation a little bit and take all this into account. Uh, we at the uh, Southern Michigan Conference of the Free Methodist Church are looking to multiply, and it's conversations like these that are going to help guide the way. So soak it in, and we will catch you next time on the SMC Podcast. SMC Podcast.